Good stuff, good stuff. How's everybody doing tonight? Good to be here, excited to be here in Newport News. I haven't been here since we moved to this campus, so you guys look good here. It looks good on you. Looks good on you. So uh, uh, excited to be here after Thanksgiving. We just got done with that, and uh, now we're in the full swing of the holidays, and so we've got all of that going on. How many of you went Black Friday shopping? How many went Black Friday shopping? A couple of you. How many of you don't even care? All right, so that's good. That's good. How many of you online shoppers? You just you're waiting for Cyber Monday. Okay, all right. There we go. We got some of you out there. That's good. Well, hey. So we are tonight wrapping up our series on race and politics, and uh, it's been a fun series. And has it not been a timely series? We have uh, started talking about it early spring of this year. And we said, hey, you know what, probably be good for us. And we started talking about it and planning for it, not having any clue as to what was going to happen or how the political landscape was going to look or how things were going to shape up in our culture or how things were going to end up. And man, oh man, was it not just a divine opportunity for the Holy Spirit to lead us to speak on that uh, during the season because have we not needed God to guide us during this time, right? It has been good for us to have that conversation as a church and it's been fun. And uh, it's been a little bit messy too, has it not? It's been a little bit messy. It's been a little bit uh, contentious, a little bit uh, fun. Uh, a few months ago now, um, I felt like God was telling me um, to take a break on Facebook. And man, that was the best decision I've ever made in my life. I mean, it has been awesome. I've probably missed a lot of your birthdays. Happy birthday. And, uh, but if that's the price I've got to pay, it's been awesome uh, just to be able to pull back from that. Um, but man, I, I know it's been super messy and it's been difficult as many people have a lot of opinions. There's been a lot of different things that are going on. There's just a lot of different thoughts and ideas and all that stuff happening. Uh, the news hasn't been helping anything out. Uh, Facebook statuses haven't been helping anything out. And so there's all kinds of stuff that's going on. And it's been a moment where we are, we're just a little bit unsure, right? A little bit. Uh, a little bit over it, a little bit exhausted, a little bit worn out, and uh, it's easy to feel like that during this season, right? It's easy to feel like that during this season. It's easy to feel like there's no hope. It's easy to feel like we have no certainty, no reason to be sure of anything. Uh, we've got every reason, it seems, sometimes to uh, maybe be fearful or be cautious or to say, hey, I, I just have no clue how things are going to work out, and that can leave us in a place of just kind of apathy. But the church is not called to be apathetic. The church is not called to hold back. And 2 Timothy, I believe it is. I wasn't, this isn't in my notes. So I'm just doing this. So if it's wrong, don't judge me for it. But second, I think it's 2 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verse 7, that we are not called to have, uh, to be a timid church, that we are called to walk with boldness and confidence. And uh, I at least know the word timid's in there. So, um, so that's not who we're called to be. We're not called to be timid. We're called to be bold and we're called to stand up. And I honestly believe that this moment is the church's greatest opportunity to be be the church that God's called us to be and created us to be. So I don't want us to hold our heads down. I don't want us to kind of slump our shoulders. I want us to stand up tall because how many of you know that you are a son of God, you're a daughter of God, and in your place in this kingdom, you have the authority to speak 
with confidence and boldness and faith. And where there's fear, you can have faith. Where there's doubt and worry, you can stand with assurance. Where other people are talking about things from a negative slant, you can stand and you can speak positive. You can speak life into situations instead of death and division. That is the opportunity that we have as the church, and that's what he's called us to do, and that's what he's called you to do. And it's easy in this moment for us just to kind of doubt it and question it and wonder and worry because it's easier just to look at things and get overwhelmed by it. But you, you're called. You're chosen. You've been fought for by the king of kings, by the creator of the heavens. He called you and chose you. And listen, God believes in you. God believes in you. And because he believes in you, that makes you pretty awesome, doesn't it? Come on, look at your neighbor. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, I'm awesome. Come on, say it like you mean it. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, I'm awesome. <laughs> All right, look at your other neighbor and say, hey, you're pretty awesome too. We've got to take that message to heart. And we've got to allow that to sink in deep. We've got to just stand up and to say, you know what, God believes in me, so you know what, I can believe in me, and I can believe in God, and I can believe in what he's doing. It's okay in this moment where things seem uncertain for you to be sure. It's okay in this moment for you to wonder and to look at things and say, man, I wish this would get better, to know that it can if you live the life that he's called you to live. That he's called you, that he's chosen you, and that he believes in you to fulfill a, a certain, unique, divine purpose that nobody else can fulfill in this world. He believes in you, and he loves you. He's called you his own, and he wants you to live in this world the way that he's called you to live. Listen, knowing that you are his is to know that there is divine potential in all that you do. When you know that you are his, when you know that you're a child of God, it's to know that there's divine potential in everything that you do. That as you walk through this life, you're not just floating. You're not just existing. You're not just maybe an idea. Maybe God notices you. No, he knows exactly who you are. He knows exactly what he created you for. And he puts you in this timeline, in this place, in this city, in your job, in your home, in your family, in your neighborhood for a reason. Because there's a light that he wants you to shine. There is a view of him that he wants people to see that only can be seen through your life. And he believes in you to fulfill that purpose. He believes in you and he knows that when you look to him that there is much that you can do. That there is a lot of things that you can do. In Matthew chapter 5 verse 14, it says, you are the light of the world. Like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. In verse 15 it says, no one lights a lamp and then puts it under a basket. See, this is Jesus talking to his disciples, and he's telling them, you are like a light, right? Jesus is telling them, you are a light to the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. You think about it, when the sun raises in the morning, it can't be hidden. 
We just went camping about a month ago, and we were out there. It was stinking cold. We were frigid. Uh, hated every moment of it, but loved every moment of it. You know what I'm talking about? And you're sitting there, and you're tired, and you're exhausted. And our kids, they slept well because we gave them every blanket we had, and we did everything. And I was over there freezing and shivering the whole night with every piece of clothes that I brought with me. And as sun comes up, and it hits me in the face, I wanted to sleep, but I couldn't hide it, right? I wanted to fight for a little bit more sleep, but I couldn't deny it. The sun was up. There is a sense that your life, that our life is the church, is supposed to live a divine purpose that cannot be hidden. That when people look to the church, they're not supposed to question if God is real, but when they look to the church, they should know. It should be undeniable. It should be something that's so clear that it satisfies their souls, that it gives them a sense of hope. That is what he's called us to be, and he says that's what you're going to be because you are a light. I have started something in you that I'm going to finish. I've started something that no one else can stop, cease, or put out. There is a light in you, and it will have a world impact. It will have a world impact. He said, because I have started this in you. And he says in verse 15, no one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket. I love it. You were made to shine. You were made to shine. You were made to be a bright light in this world. You were made to be a beacon of hope. You were made with a purpose. You were made with a calling. There is something that God wants to do in you, and there's something that God wants to do through you. He did not put you on this planet so that you could just breathe some oxygen and then die. He put you on this planet so that you can live a purpose, a purpose that he dreamed up in you. Man, that's so good. You guys are quiet. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand. He's got a place for you. He's got a purpose for you. Where you are, it's not happenstance. What you're going through, the people you're connected with, the conversations you have, he has put you there. He has placed you there to be a light in this world where it gives light to everyone in the house. I want you to see there's a little bit of progression in this verse That if you want to have an influential life, if you want to have one that is known throughout the world, if you want to have a life that is is seen and that it's a life of significance and that it has world impact, then I want you to see something. It starts with you in your home. You see a little bit of progression. There's a light, right? Talking about it's a light that cannot be seen. On a city, the sun comes up and everybody can see it. You see a city, we just went up into New York City, it was beautiful, it was expensive, it was cold, it was awesome, the food was amazing, ha, but I'm glad to be back. So we went into New York City, as you're driving across, we were driving across and getting ready to go into the Lincoln Tunnel, as you come around, you see the city and it's there, it's undeniable, you know exactly where you're at because you see that skyline. So there's a light that shines, there's a city that's known, right? That city is known because of the neighborhoods that are there. And then it starts with you. There's a progression. If you want to make a difference in this world, it starts with you, and it starts in your home. It's important to recognize that we, each one of us, individually, I want you to say tonight that I'm awesome. I want you to speak to your neighbor that they are awesome. Because in this time, it's easy to doubt how awesome people are. It's easy to be skeptical of their motives and their ideas. It's easy to look at people with fear and worry and question everything about them instead of looking at them and saying, you know what? I value them because God values them. 
And it's important for you to know that you have eternal value and worth, that God believes in you, that he's called you, that he's chosen you, that he's placed you where you are right now for a divine purpose. You need to see that and you need to know that because the only way that you can value others is to know how he values you. And once you see how he values you and you know the depth of his love for you, you know the depth of his purposes, the extremity of his dreams and passions for you, that he doesn't just want you walking around, but he wants you living an abundant life, as it says in John, a rich and satisfying life, the New Living Translation says, where you're walking around and there's life and more life and more life, that it's life-giving, that your life is one that gives life to others. That is a life that he wants you to live. That is the impact he wants you to have on this world. That when people see you coming, they don't go, oh, man, for real? But when they see you coming, they say, man, I can't wait to be around that guy. I can't wait to be around that guy. I love being around Chris because Chris laughs at everything. It's awesome. Chris laughs at everything. He's always encouraging. He's always just speaking life. David's the same way. We've got a great staff. We've got a great staff. Really good bald, round heads, too. It's really great. But I love being around people that are encouraging. And that's what he's called us to be, people that bring life and, and joy and excitement to every situation. That's what he's called us to be. That's the way he's called us to live this life. And he wants you to live a life of influence and value and significance. And it starts by you recognizing that that's the life he's called you to, that he's chosen you for, and that you can live. That he loves you and he values you. He has something that he wants you to do that no one else can do. That's pretty important, right? I mean, you're talking about the God that spoke the stars into existence, and he thought about you. He created the heavens and the earth. He created all that we know and all that we're still discovering, and he knows you. He knows who you are. He knows where you are. He knows what you're going through. He knows what you're going to face. He knows what you've been through. And he loves you. And he believes in you. And he's called you. Man, that's pretty awesome. It's pretty stinking amazing, isn't it? And as you let that sink in, as you let that take root in your heart, then you begin to look at people differently. But until you know how much he loves you, until you understand your value and worth in our Heavenly Father's eyes, it will be difficult, if not impossible, for you to value others and their lives, especially those that are most different from you. And in this life, we are called to run to those that are outside. We are called to run to those that are different than us. We are called to run to the broken, no matter who they are, where they are, or what they're going through. We're called to do life with each other, no matter what our opinions are, no matter what policies we hold and believe, no matter what president we voted for or person we voted for, no matter if you're a green party, independent party, red party, blue party, whatever you are, that we are to stand together shoulder to shoulder and say, hey, listen, we can differ on a lot of things, but you know what we're similar on? You know what we are unified on? On who God is and what he's done through Jesus Christ. And we speak life into each other. We encourage each other. We stand strong together and we look up with hope and belief that God is doing something in each of our lives because I have value and worth and you have value and worth.
He's called me and he's placed me here. But you know what? He's called Steve and he's placed Steve here. There's two of them. They don't know which one I was talking about. The problem with this, though, is it's so important for us to hear. But so many times we stop on the message that God loves you and you're awesome. And it's important for us to hear and it's important for us to know. But the problem is, is the thing that can encourage us and give us hope can be the thing that trips us up. Because what happens is, is we get too focused on the greatness of our own story. My daughter, she's seven. She's getting ready to turn eight. She's, man, that girl, I love her to stinking death. Can't even explain to you how much I love that girl. She's got me wrapped all around all of her fingers and toes, and she knows it. And I do too, and I'm all right with it. But the other day we were talking, and she's doing great in school. She's in second grade, and she's got, you know, friends and her teachers bragging on her and all this different stuff. And, and so I was just talking to her, and I was like, Rylan, I was like, I'm so proud of you. I mean, you're, you're, you're a leader, and, and you're, you're an encourager. Your teacher has nothing but good things to say about you. You're choosing good friends. You're making right decisions, and everybody likes you in the process. Everywhere we go, people are just like, I love that girl. I was like, what do you think it is? You know, as a pastor and as a dad, I'm hoping she's got some spiritual thoughts and spiritual idea. She's like, she's like well, Dad, I'm adorable. Of course they like me. I'm like, ah, oh, still so much work to do, right? <laughs> but it's, it, that's what trips us up, right? We get so focused on the greatness of our own story. And I love in Matthew chapter 18, the disciples walk up to Jesus. And as they walk up to him, they're like, hey, which one of us is going to be the greatest in your kingdom? Their focus is on their own story, their level of influence and level of significance in God's kingdom. And they're thinking about here and now. And Jesus is thinking about eternity. And he's thinking about you and me way off in the distance, thousands of years. And he's thinking about all that he's wanting to do. And he's thinking about all that he set out to do from the beginning of time. And that's the view Jesus has. And they come up and they're like, how awesome am I? And he's like, you're awesome. Like, I love you. Like, I came from heaven, which was a pretty awesome place to be. And I'm walking around right here with you eating fish. Right? You're awesome. Like, I sacrificed a lot for you because I love you and I believe in you. But your eyes are on the wrong thing. You're worried about the greatness of your story. And that is going to trip you up every single time. Jesus goes on in Matthew chapter 18 and tells them about these things that they should do and the way they should look at life and talks about this child that they should be like children and that they should encourage that. And what he's saying is, is a child is able to trust, is easily able to trust people and is dependent upon others for what they need in this life. He's saying, listen, you've got to trust me and you've got to trust each other and you've got to be dependent upon each other and understand that this life is not about you. This life is about me and the life that I've called you to live so that others can come to know me as well. And so they've got to turn their eyes and they've got to see things a little bit differently. I love in Psalm chapter 1, 101 verse 1 and 2 out of the message translation. It says this, it says, my theme song is God's love and justice. My theme song is God's love and justice. And I'm singing it right to you, God. I'm finding my way down the road of right living, but how long before you show up? 
The question that's put here can seem a little bit awkward, but it's not a question of uncertainty. It's not a question of doubt. God, when are you going to show up? Like, I'm trying to do the best that I can, but I don't know how long I can hold on. You know, when are you going to get here? Because I'm done doing this thing. That's not what the question is. See, the question he's asking is, he's saying, hey, listen, I'm doing everything that I can. I'm living this life looking to you, hoping in you, trusting in you, and I can't wait for you to show up. Because when you show up, I want you to look at my life, and I want you to look at my home, and I want you to say, wow, look at you. You're doing what I've called you to do. You're living the life of purpose I've called you to live. Man, you've led people to come to know me. You've encouraged people to stand strong and do what is right. It's a sense of, I'm living for you. You're my sole focus. I'm looking to you. It's this idea that when there is something that is coming your way and there's a right thing to do and a wrong thing to do, you choose the right thing to do. When there's a better thing to come your way or a worse thing, you choose the better way because you know what you are made for. You know what you're called for. You are a light, and you are called to live in this world as a beacon of hope, as a light shining his glory, that when people look at your life, they can say, man, things aren't necessarily going their way, but look at how they're holding their head up right now. Look at the joy and the confidence they have in this moment of suffering. Man, they keep having awesome things happen to them. And they keep getting blessed and they keep getting encouraged and they never let it go to their head and they're always taking care of other people. There's something about that that's enticing to you. You're supposed to live this life of light that's, you're walking, you're seeing every opportunity I have to live for you, I'm going to. Every moment I have to say, look at Jesus, that's what I'm gonna do. Every conversation you step in, you realize I'm here on this planet because he loves me, he's called me, he's placed me here to point to him. So I walk into this conversation not just thinking, ah, we're just gonna talk and just kind of, you know, just, I was going to say chew the fat. I don't even know what that means. I never use that in a phrase ever. But you, whatever, we're gonna chew the fat, right? And so you're going to do that, and then, and then we're just going to move on, right? No, it's I step into this life. I get to do life with this person. I get to have a conversation with this person that can help me see God in a greater way, and I can help them to come to know God or see God in a greater way in their life. Every opportunity I have. Every moment your refrigerator breaks down and you got to have somebody come to your house and they've got to come in and look at it. The Maytag man shows up, right? And you got to do that. And then this cute little hat and all that stuff. It's not just a moment for you to get your ice maker fixed. It's a divine moment that you've been given the strength, the wisdom, and insight, and discernment to speak into that moment. To bring glory to God in that moment. To bring life in that moment. Man, y'all are quiet. I expect this in Williamsburg. I'm in Newport News. Come on. That's what he's called us to do. That's the way he's called us to live. So we think so much of our story. We get focused on the greatness of our story. But he's placed you here for the greatness of his story. And so we've got to be able to lift our eyes to him and see all that he's called you to do, all that he's gifted you to do, all the places he's placed you, even if they're difficult and hard. I don't want to talk to that person. I don't want to like that person. You have the strength. You have the ability. You have the grace. And you have the calling and you have the purpose to not just like them, but love them. To give everything for them. So that God can see you living your life for him and so can they.
so they can discover the divine potential that's in each and every one of their lives. It goes on in Psalms chapter 101, it says, I'm doing the very best I can. I love the honesty that Eugene Peterson puts in there. I'm not perfect, I make some mistakes, but I'm doing the very best that I can. And what does he say? I'm doing it at home where it counts. I'm doing it at home where it counts. Listen, he's positioned you right where you are, right where you are to be the light that only you can be. And some of us, we want the world to be a completely different place. Some of us, we want this world to be moving in a completely different direction. Some of us, we would love to. If I could just magically create one, you guys would be running up here. If I had a restart button, you guys would run up here and be like, ah, jumping over each other because you just want to hit restart. Right? No, he's called us where we are right now. He's positioned where we are right now. Right here in the peninsula. In 2016, get ready to hit 2017. In this church, on this night, he's placed you here because he's speaking to you to say, I see you, I know you, I love you, and I'm positioning you to do something that only you can do. And there's a life that I want you to live, and there's a view of me that I want people to see that only can be seen through you. That's what he's wanting us to see. That's what he's wanting us to grasp. That's what he's wanting us to get. But it starts with us. Stop thinking about the greatness of our own story, but to look at the greatness of his story and to trust him, to believe in him, and say, hey, he's going to work everything out. I know what my purpose is. I know what my calling is. And that's the life that I'm going to live for him. The purpose of your life, the purpose of your life, I know many people are trying to figure it out. You go to a Christian bookstore, there's more books on the will of God than there is anywhere else. Listen, the purpose of your life is to live for God's glory and for the salvation of others. That is the purpose of your life. It's to live for God's glory, to shine as a lamp he's called you to be, to shine brightly for his glory so that others can come to know him. And it's going to be lived out in a unique way. It's going to be done in unique things. But that's the life he's called you to live. In Matthew chapter 5, verse 16, he says, In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see, so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. To know that you are his is to know that there's divine potential in all that you do. Some of us are a little bit sideways right now of what to think and how to approach people. I know it's going to be uncomfortable. I know it's going to be difficult. But it's your divine opportunity to step into that moment and be the light that needs to be shown in that moment. There's some people that you're distancing yourself from. Don't. He's called you to step into that place, to step into that circle, to step into that relationship. Because you, you are light they need to see. And if they're a believer, they're a light you need to see. Because it's not about who they are, but it's about whose they are. And it's about what he's doing in them and through them. But he's called us to come together, to look to him, to trust in him. And we have to stop thinking about our story and being focused so much on that. So here's the deal. If we want healing to happen in our culture, we don't need people to step up. We need people to kneel down. 
and not just kneel down and pray, but to really surrender yourself. As a child, trust, as Jesus is talking in Matthew chapter 18, as a child, trust, and a child understands their dependence on others, a child defers and chooses others above themselves. Not always naturally, but it's easier for them to do than for us to do. That's one of the biggest convictions I have as a parent, right? I always see something my kids do wrong. I'm like, here's what you should have done in that moment. And then I turn around and I go do exactly what I told them not to do. But I'm an adult, right? <laughs> Listen, there's a life that God wants you to live. And he wants you to be willing to surrender. To be willing to put others first. But most importantly, to trust him and to look to him. And say, Father, I don't want to start this day without knowing what you've called me to do. God, I don't want to walk into this conversation without knowing what you want to have done in this moment. And listen, what I'm saying by that, I'm not saying it's always got to be this like crazy supernatural, like people crying and weeping and all that stuff or whatever. That doesn't have to be. Sometimes you can go into a conversation, it's a lot of fun. You cut up and you laugh the whole time. And maybe that's what they needed. Maybe that's what you needed. Right? God likes to have fun, and God likes to use all of our relationships and our approaches towards each other so that he can be glorified. But there's a position of our heart that's got to be, God, I want my life to be lived for your glory and so that others can come to know you. That's the way I want my life to be lived. And it's only going to happen in a posture where we surrender and we submit and put God first and put others before ourselves. And that's what he's called us to do. That's the way he's called us to live this life in Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. I don't know how much of this I'm going to read. I was getting ready to call the band up, but I don't know how much I'm going to read. So Romans chapter 12. You guys still with me? You all right? Okay. Romans chapter 12. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Man, Chris and, and Gina, they did a phenomenal job tonight. Gina, my friend, I haven't even had a chance to meet her. I leaned over to Shanika, and I was like, who is that? She's like, it's Gina. And I was like, that's perfect. Goes, Dang, Gina. It's good. Good. <laughs> That's so stupid. I hope Michelle doesn't listen to the podcast. All right. Worship was so good. Worship was so good. But do you know your life is to be lived as worship in all that you do? Your life is to be lived as worship in all that you do. That as God's called you to work, it's one of the biggest things I'm working on my son right now. Dude, you're not just a fifth grader. You're not just going to school because that's what you're made to do. Dude, you are a disciple. You are a follower of Christ. You are a child of God. You have divine purpose and divine potential right now as an 11-year-old with crazy, big, giant, stinky feet. You have an opportunity right now to show people the glory of God in a way that no one else can. And when you go in there, you work hard on your homework. You work hard on your homework. Right? Because it's not just something your teacher's asking you to do or your mom's asking you to do, right? Your homework is your opportunity to better yourself, 
to expand yourself, to learn character development, to discipline yourself, to grow your mind and your imagination. It's an opportunity to do as worship to him. When you go to work, wherever you work and whatever you do, it is an opportunity for you to step into a divine moment of worship to show the glory of God and who he is and his faithfulness and his provisions and all of the wonder that makes him the king of kings. That's your moment to step into. When you're talking with your neighbor, it's your moment that your life is to be lived as worship. That every moment when you step into it, this is my moment, this is my opportunity, this is something I get to do. You gotta be willing to endure. You gotta be willing to push on. So it says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Listen, if we want to see healing happen in our culture, if we wanna see healing happen in our neighborhoods, we wanna see healing happen in our families, we wanna see all of these things take place, then we've gotta change our perspective and on our idea of what God is doing, and we've gotta change our ideas and perspectives on people. We've got to shift the way that we think about things. We've got to move in a completely different direction. When things are happening, we don't look at it and say, I don't know what's happening. I don't know what's going to take place. I'm worried. I'm fearful. I can't handle this. This is too much. But we step onto it and we say, all right, what's God going to do? What's God going to do? I'm looking for it. I'm looking for it. And he's called me to do something. Where's my opportunity? Where's my chance? God, how can I show your glory? We're looking because I know he's faithful. I know he's good. I want to see differently. I want to live differently because my life is to be lived as worship. So I have to change the way I think. And he is going to do that for me. He's going to encourage you to do that. Man. All right. I almost went to another verse and I would have gone too long if I did. It goes on to verse 3. It says, don't think you're better than you really are. Don't think you're better than you really are. Know that you're a child of God. Know that he loves you and he's called you. He sees you. He believes in you. That you have a purpose in this world. But don't think you're better than you really are. When you get into that place, you should fall to your knees quickly. Because whoever you're judging and whoever you're looking at, in that moment, you definitely need Jesus more than they do. Don't think you're better than you are. And it goes on, how do you do this? Be honest in your evaluation of yourselves. <sighs> Measuring yourselves by the faith God has given you. Just as your bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. It's that sense of dependence. It's that sense of trust. I want to know who God is. I want to shine as bright as I can for him, but I can't do it without Cortez. Right? I can't do it without this person in my life. And if there's something between us, if there's something that's keeping us from stepping into the relationship he's called us to have, then I'm missing out on the view of God that I could see and need to see. And I'm not allowing them to see the view of God that they need to see to move deeper into his plans and purposes. I have to think differently about the situation. I have to think differently about my relationships. I have to think differently about the outcomes of this world. The way things go, maybe it's not exactly what you want to be, but God is in control. He's sovereign. He's working all things out. He knows what's happening, right? One of the favorite things to think about is, is he's right here with you. He's God Emmanuel. He's God with us right now. 
but he's also God of the future. And what we think about and wonder about, he's sitting right there waiting for us to get there. He knows exactly what's happening. He's in control of all things. And our job is just to think of how we can get there, but you can't do it on your own. Worship team, you can come up. I think I'm supposed to step right here. (laughs) Verse 9, don't just pretend to love others. Do you hear that? Man, the biggest thing you can hear on this conversation of race and politics, don't just pretend to love somebody. Don't. Don't do it. You need them in your life. You need them. You desperately, desperately need them in your life. Don't just pretend to love others. Really love them. Really love them. And I love this next point. This is how we put God above ourselves. This is how we say he is good and my life is to be lived for him. Is that we are to hate what is wrong. And what we've got to do right now more than anything is to hate what is wrong. Everything I'm trying to say tonight is to not demiss this reality that we're facing. There there are legitimate fears and worries and anxieties. There are things going on that are uncertain to us. There are things that are happening right now in this world that cannot just be passively looked at. And he's called us as the church to step up and to be the answer. He's called us as the church to step up and live the life that he's called us to live. He's created us to live, to be that source of light. But too many times, too many times, the church has been found. I see it. I just don't know what to do. I see it. I just don't know how to respond. Hate what is wrong. raised a certain way and you've got certain ideas about things and you're convinced of something to be true but you look at it and you see suffering and you see pain and you see fear fear I don't even know what fear is you see fear in one of your brothers and your sister's eyes you see legitimate worries and concerns that they have shut this hole and open these two and step into a place Or maybe you help them see something differently. But most importantly, they help you see something differently. And together you see God greater. And he's been elevated in both of your lives. And as you do that, the Holy Spirit begins to speak to you and convict you. And the things that are wrong, you begin to see what is wrong. And guess what? In that, God begins to reveal his purpose for you. So instead of looking at something passively and just ignoring it, all of a sudden, something raises up in your soul. And you say, that can't happen anymore. And then you realize that he's put you here to stop it. He's put you here to be a voice that nobody else is being. 
He's put you here to help find the solution. He's put you here to help people understand that there is hope in Jesus, that there is life in Jesus, that you can love people, that you can trust people, and you can trust God because He is in control. He's working all things out, and He's good. It's in this moment that we stop and we trust Him and look to Him. moment. There's some of you, I need this real quick. There's some of you. Listen, you can have a difference opinion. Right now, everybody in this room, you can have a difference opinion. You can be upset about certain realities or outcomes. You can be mad. You can be happy. But as a follower of Christ, can I first and foremost tonight ask you to be polite and thoughtful? to think beyond your circle and realize that your life is not lived for yourself. That the purpose of God and others is not for your satisfaction and glory. That the purpose of your life is for the glory of God and the joy of others coming to know Christ. Stop and think about where he's placed you. Stop and think about what you're saying. Am I pointing to Jesus right now or am I causing people to run from him right now? Am I venting and getting things off my chest and I feel better about it? But am I causing people to run from me? Am I causing people to step outside of the relationship he's called us to have? Am I causing the church to be a beacon of hope and joy? Or am I causing people to say, that's why I don't go to church? Be thoughtful, be polite, and know that you have a divine purpose and there's divine potential in all that you do. He's placed you here right now to do something that no one else can do. He's called you to something great, and maybe you don't know what it is. Can I just tell you this? It starts in your home. It starts in your home. How do you talk about your boss with your wife? How do you talk about your neighbor in front of your kids? How do you talk about people that look different, act different, and do different things than you? How do you talk about people that believe differently than you, that live differently than you? How do you talk about them at home? How do you think about them? Do you pray for them? Do you see God? See, do you see God's value in them and their worth in his kingdom through Christ? Think about things differently and move into a place where you say, God, use me to help reconcile and build and point to Jesus. Are you with me? Father, I just pray in this moment. I love the church. Believe in the church. thankful for this church. I deeply believe that this is our greatest opportunity. It's our greatest opportunity right here on the peninsula. It's our 
greatest opportunity right now. And everybody's pointing fingers and yelling and wondering and questioning. It's our greatest opportunity to shine as you've called us and created us to shine. And it's not us who shines, but it's you who shines through us. So Father, my prayer tonight, my prayer tonight is, is that you help us. God, help me get out of the way. Help me to get out of the way. And I pray, Lord, that you build up a faithful confidence in you and that I see your work in my life and that that causes me to understand that I'm a child of God and that child of God, that identity gives me an authority in this life. But God, may it cause me to be humbled and broken. And God, help me to step into the relationships that I have, the opportunities I have. May I step into them for your glory so that you may be seen and you may be known. Help us as your church, help us as your children to follow you well. Help us to be patient and diligent. Help us to be slow to speak and quick to listen. Genuinely, genuinely move us into a place. Romans 12 talks about we mourn with those that mourn. And we celebrate with those that celebrate. God, that we truly sense and see you're working, you're dwelling, your your presence and all that's happening. That we see that this life is purpose, that this life is for you and that you are real and that you are present and that you are working. God, help us to trust you. God, help us to live our lives for your glory by valuing and seeing the worth the dignity and the purpose in others. For any of us, Lord, that are in a place where we haven't been doing that well, God, right now, we call out to you and we say, forgive us and help us to move forward. For any of us in this place that are broken and we're weary and we're tired, Father, I pray that you bring the right person into their life. May it be the person they least expect. May it it be the person that they need the most. That through their pursuit of you, their desire to know more of you, God, that you will work in them and they will shine brightly for your glory. For those of us that are working hard and we feel like we're laboring with no end in sight, give us strength and courage to know that you're in control and there's more happening than we could ever imagine and that you're accomplishing much, that you are good and you are faithful and that all of your promises can be trusted because you are right and just in all that you do. God, in every way and every day, may each and every one of us have a higher view of you, a bigger trust of you, and may we openly live our lives for your glory. And may it start in our homes. May we have worldly ambitions, desires of what is to come, but may we understand our responsibility here and now. Be mindful of it, and in everything, look for the ways to point towards you. In the name of Jesus, will you stand and worship with us?